Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. of in soccer we trust your three favorite former u.s men's national team players jimmy conrad that's me charlie chuck wagon davies and hollywood heath pierce and we are excited because we have a lot to dive into today a lot of u.s men's national team players popped off this weekend lots of big stats especially in a position in the field attacking position haji right i'm looking directly at you he's got nine goals and two assists in his last seven games the guy is popping off including a goal and an assist this past weekend in the Turkish Super League. He's on fire. We got Timo Weah having a man-of-the-match performance, goal and an assist for Lille against Nice. A 3-1 win for Lille, his first goal in Ligue 1 this season. So actually, I'm going to go to our resident striker, Charlie Davies, first. Charlie, let's talk about Haji Wright and Timo Weah. This is a great time for, for guys to start scoring. Jesus Ferreira obviously uh, scored this weekend as well for FC Dallas. I mean... We got we we might have a nine number nine problem. Too many too many options now, which is kind of yeah. uh, the exact opposite of what we've been talking about before. Charlie, give me your insight on these three particular players. I wouldn't go that far in <laughs> terms of uh, too many bright, uh, brilliant uh, nine options. Now there are a number of players who can who can play the nine. It's figuring out what's the best fit and who's going to have the most success and impact within the within this group. How'd you write? is is intriguing to me because of his size and his speed getting a chance to see some of his goals and assists he he can run the channel he's strong he can hold up the ball that's what the u.s needs somebody who can stretch the back line and then timothy Weah, we all know he can play the nine he, he's shown at times that the attributes needed to be successful whether he's playing right wing back or right attacking midfielder he, he shows that he can one stretch the, the back line Good runs, and now he's he's starting to show that he can finish in front of goal. Um, we saw that against Jamaica in the in the qualifiers, but most recently, just putting pressure on back line, starting the press, mm-hmm. creating something out of nothing. Uh, that's what I love from 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 our strikers. So, can they come back? Can they check in? And then can they make make the run in behind? And then Jesus Ferreira is playing like a man on a mission. He's leading MLS in goals. He's showing that, hey, I can get in behind too. I'm not just all about checking too. So I think for Greg Berhalter, it's great because it feels like anybody who's a forward and who can potentially play for the U.S. Women's National Team, the alert's out there. Perform and you're going to get an opportunity. And it, and it feels like everybody's ready for that challenge and, and is hyped and wants a chance. All right, everybody. You're listening to Greg Berhalter's favorite podcast in soccer we trust. We appreciate you guys being here with us today. Hit like and subscribe if you're listening on podcast form. Subscribe. Follow us on Twitter, ISWT Pod on the Twitters. Heath Pierce, I'm going to throw it over to you. Not only did Timo and Haji Wright have a goal and an assist this past weekend, Ferreira had two goals this past weekend. Uh, Luca De La Torre had an assist for Heracles. Uh, Richie Ledesma had his first goal for PSV, which is a big deal. Uh, Mihailovic from Montreal, another goal and an assist. He's got seven goals and four assists this season. We got a lot of players, not only ones that we are already in the player pool, but ones that are trying to break into it and become potential, not necessarily starters, but be a part of that 23 or 26-man roster that's going to go to Qatar. I think Haji Wright, for me, if I'm going to put money on anybody that I think will end up making the team, I got my money on Haji Wright. But any other performances stand out for you if you want to talk about the guys we've already discussed? Yeah, I mean... Again, it showed that the fact that it took till the end of the season for for Timo Weah to have his first goal is a little bit 
disappointing, right? In terms mm -hmm. of uh, 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 being an attacker that we want in terms of putting up, putting up numbers. He hasn't had a lot of assists either. Now, I, I'm, I am one that I don't always hold that to a cert. I don't hold it to a standard that's unrealistic. Uh, we've all played on teams where there's guys that are just constantly setting up plays, setting up goals. Leal have struggled in general. So he's one that I'm almost a little disappointed in that it's we've left he's left it this late obviously there's been some injuries and things like that i'm interested to see what what's next for for him in terms of that club what leal means leal's not going to be a european contender next year they're not you know it's it's going to become the leal that we've probably known the mavs if you've not followed uh liga uh over time but overall the one that i in terms of performances over the weekend uh isn't so much the U.S. men's national team. It's actually Matarazzo's, who we talked about, keeping mm -hmm. Stuttgart in the league. You know, they they went into the weekend in the last place, which is the playoff between the first and second division. Uh, and then in the 92nd or 93rd minute, got the goal to keep them in the league. We talked about his impact. We talked about what he means for the club. And to be able to do that, I think, is massive and sort of makes him uh, a little bit of a legend, which is worth noting uh, over the weekend that people didn't see. Stuttgart were 1-1 in the final final moments. They got a goal in the end. He was running all over the field. You could see the what that meant. So overall, in terms of the weekend in weekend in review, that was one that I thought was one of the biggest moments. But it was good to see, you know, Timo Weah getting on the score sheet. Haji Wright again, a player that was sort of criticized with his player pathway at the time uh, by going to the New York Cosmos, looking for to, to find his feet to have this level of of um, quality that he has in the Turkish league. I think is great and. I think I know. I know you said it in jest, Jimmy, that we've got all of these options at number nine now. But it is nice to see guys scoring. <laughs> it was kind of kind of jest, but not jest as well. I'm excited. I'm I, genuinely I, I, excited that we have some players that are doing something of note that are at least giving us pause. And I assume the same for the coaching staff. Yeah, and Jesus Ferrer is another one that's I think what is it nine and eleven games or something like that. He's in fantastic form. So there are players that are contributing, and I, maybe I just need to make peace with the fact that while they aren't Christian Pulisic at Chelsea goals or quality or the league or competition, scoring goals is hard in any league. And the fact that we do have guys scoring goals, I want to see that compete in the national team, but more than anything convert or translate into the national team. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, again, I look at Ferreira and I'm like, ah, he's kind of a withdrawn nine and he has a lot of tools to add, but could he be the nine for the national team? And when I look at Haji, Wright, I'm like, can it convert to the national team? When we look at some of the other players, uh, scoring Jordan Pifok one can it convert can it translate to the national team that's my biggest worry right now is form is one thing that becoming you know I'm actually curious that Charlie's thoughts on that on the difference of 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 form of the club level and then converting that into not just scoring for the national team but but showing a level of quality that's international quality take it away Charlie I think for me you you, you need to carry your club form into the national team camps now if Christian Pulisic isn't playing with Chelsea, he's going to play at the U.S. Men's National Team. But I think it's evident that when he does come into camp, he's not the same Christian Pulisic that we've seen because he doesn't have the rhythm and the form. And he's still catching up with match fitness. So there, it does benefit you a ton. I mean, you look at Haji Wright. He has scored in seven straight games with his club. And of those seven games, they took they, they tied Trabzonspor, who is the league winner, uh, third place Konyaspor, and Alan Yadspor, who is fifth place. So he's scoring against the top teams in the league. That goes a long way. He's playing at, at he's at his peak right now in terms of where he is and, and how he's feeling and confident. So I think this would be a great time to call him in to see, hey, how does he fit with this group and what what is his quality? And how does it how does it match up with some of the other players that we have? So that's that's a good uh, moment for Haji Wright to go in. And then Richie Ledesma, I don't necessarily know if he, he'll get a call because he's He's just coming he back from ACL injury. He looked fast in that goal, by the way. He looked fast. He does. But also take into account, that's the last place team in the Eredivisie. That's the last place team, Pexwell. Two, PSV is the second place team in that league, right? They're, they're in Champions League qualifiers for next season. I think for next year, this is a great way to finish the season because next year, I think they've always been hyped about Richie Ledesma's mm -hmm. skill and, and quality. Next year, he has a real shot of getting considerable playing time. So I'm hyped about his future because he is a, a special player in terms of a midfielder who can score goals and create, which we need. We need more of a player who can be a number 10, and he could be that guy. Jimmy, so real quick, for you, yeah, sure. I, I, I got a question on on Haji Wright. If this was November, is he going into your final uh, camp? For me, like, 100%. Yeah. Because, yes. because of the yeah, things that Charlie – Yeah, you have to take him. Yeah, I mean, because you can't – 
it, it's one thing to ask of striker to hit that switch. You know that he's capable of it, but if he's not playing that way currently, and Charlie can speak to that, and we can all speak to this. If you're not playing that way currently, and then all of a sudden you put on the U.S. jersey and all that, you're going to hit this switch and, and be another version of yourself. I think there is an argument and a narrative to be built around that. But I'd rather go with the hot hand, somebody who is currently playing well, and not that we're hoping that they play well based on previous experience. And I'm sure we could come up with plenty of examples, both club well, and country, where that you doesn't could, work out. You can also throw in just fitness in general. You don't have that to worry too. about fitness. The sharpness, right? Sharpness, fitness. And I'd say in a camp, throw in anyone who's, especially at the nine, because I feel like that's the one position that we're really unsure of as far as the future. I mean, Jesus Ferreira is playing like it's his, and he, and he wants to keep it. But in a camp, you can throw in many players who who maybe have not been in in previous camps and get us get a look because all in the in the end, it's just about getting a look. So what I want to add to, and I, I'm glad you brought that into it, Charlie, is the fact that Jesus Ferreira, to your point, is is grabbing this with both hands. He must be having conversations, or people ask him probably after every game. So do you think this will translate into playing in a World Cup? Do you think, you know, I mean, he has to be thinking about it. He has to be getting questions from, from family and friends, of course, about where these stands and what are, what are the, I mean, we all went through it. So we know those questions are happening. And then you got to answer it publicly. And, and especially with social media being more prominent, you got to deal with all the comments that are happening there. He looks like one of the only players in the number nine spot that's really taking this opportunity and trying to make it his. And I think Haji Wright's another one who could probably sense it's kind of now or never for me to maybe get on this team. This is a great time to go on a run. And he's really also elevated his game. Whereas, not to say he's getting getting the opportunities, but I did want to bring this up. Ricardo Pepe. Now, Augsburg played this week this weekend against Grudefirth. Grudefirth already going down. A meaningless game. Augsburg is already safe. They're going to stay up. Ricardo Pepe dresses and doesn't play. I can't tell you how frustrating that is that he doesn't play. Now, I just want to say that there's a 23-year-old, Timothy Tillman, who's played in 29 games for Gutefurth. He came through the Bayern Munich youth system. He can play for the U.S., as can his brother, Malik. And I think we're identified both of them. Those are 29 games in the Bundesliga. Sure, they're going down. He plays He plays in the midfield. I think he might be worth taking a look at as well. But what do we say? I'll go to you first, Heath, on Ricardo Pepe and how disappointed you are that the Augsburg coach couldn't find any goddamn minutes for him in a meaningless game? That's ridiculous. Now, I know the Augsburg coach resigned after this game, which is great news for everybody, I think, but especially for Ricardo Pepe. But still, that really frustrates me. Well, if anything, it makes things more complicated for Ricardo Pepe now, right? Because Mm -hmm. now you've spent all this money on him. That coach was clearly... uh, uh, That was a signal of intent. Last game of the season, your most expensive player, a young up-and-coming, what we think could potentially be a star goal scorer, is on the bench... And doesn't play. It was like this. I'm going to go out. I want to finish my. I want to finish on a high. I want to finish with a win. And that guy can't get me the win. And then I'm going to just sort of sail off into the sunset. Whereas now you're going to have another coach come in. A coach that didn't buy Ricardo Pepe. A coach that didn't sign Ricardo Pepe. Who's now got the pressure of a 20 million signing. And have to figure out what you do with him. But now, at least this you is- know that going in though. It didn't seem like this. Uh- Weinzer that ever ever really wanted him. It didn't you'd, seem you'd like an American shocked. You'd be as shocked at how often a club will buy a player that a coach doesn't want. Um, or a sports director and a coach don't get along. <laughs> Rumble and, Lukaku. Yeah. Oh, like it's, the it's amount crazy. of the amount of time it, it happens. And the, it's at the detriment of the player, right? You have somebody like the coaches on the field. And yeah, they're part of the signings and they should be. And when things are 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 sort of rhythmic uh, or fluid, they they work together. But a sporting director or a sporting director in a board or an ownership group can go out and be like, we need to have a splash. We need to go b- get this big signing. And a coach could be like, but that doesn't help me. You know, I need somebody now because we're fighting relegation. And so I understand both sides of that argument. But now you have a new coach that's got to come in. And I'm hoping that you go preseason June, July, or whenever it's going to be, say July. And that coach, is, they have a talk beforehand that's like, either you're going to be part of my plans as a starter or we're going to send you out on loan. That's the best case scenario now because a new coach is going to come in. The club's going to be like, hey, we just spent all this money. Try with this guy. And again, Ricardo Pepe still has to do his job. He has to score goals. He has to contribute. He has to train hard. He has to do all the things that make a professional good and develop. But if you're Pepe's a- agent or representatives, you've got to be carving out this, hey, like five, six weeks and maybe even through the start of the season, first couple of games, and we're going to make a decision on his future, at least to send him on loan somewhere else where he can get games. Okay, okay. Charlie, I know you want to chime in here, but I want to throw another name out there. Tyler Adams only got to play the last 18 minutes for mm-hmm. RB Leipzig this past weekend. 
and in a game that they needed to win and they didn't get the win, but they still kind of backed in to finishing in the top four, very similar to Chelsea last season, uh, the last day or last weekend. And, and I feel like he's another one that probably needs to move because it doesn't feel like their manager, Domenico Tedesco, really sees him as the guy. So, so we're, it's going to lead to Serginho Dest because Xavi said he could go. But I kind of want to hear your thoughts on, on what Pepe's situation and, and mm-hmm. Tyler Adams because there's a lot of guys now that I feel like are in the balance. And this is a big, big summer, obviously, because you want to get on that World Cup team playing you want to be playing with your team not sitting on the bench and hoping you get 15 minutes well i can tell you one thing in if you're in ricardo pepe's shoes you're looking at what jesus ferreira is able to do someone you were playing over in fc dallas and now he's a man on fire nine goals leading major league soccer you're got that new contract bench. too got you, that big contract new, to stay got home that big contract <laughs> you're stay you're you're in germany not playing it feels like you're, you've hit rock bottom. And this is a good moment for Ricardo Pepe to build off that resilience, that character, to show that, hey, okay, the coach that didn't believe in me, he's gone. That gives me hope heading into preseason. And that's got to be his mentality is I got to play next year and I got to be the number one striker. So I have to come in fit and inform. It, it, I would have liked to still see him in the national team camp, even though Greg said, hey, we're going to give you a rest. For me, that's you're not playing right now, so I can't call you in. And mm-hmm. let me dress it up as I'm giving you a, a mental break. It would, I think it would benefit him to be in camp just to get the sharpness right to head into preseason. Now he's probably got to gotta stick stick around the training facility and just work because whoever that new man is. in eight months or nine months. Gotta, it's almost nine you months. You have to impress. Uh, and then I think in terms of Tyler Adams, the, the player who was playing in front of him has been linked to Bayern Munich. So if he does go, that's – there's your, you know, he's sure, the natural right, replacement. Right, right. And a lot of teams across Europe already value Tyler Adams. So it's either they sell uh, Lamer who's playing in front of him or he he stays uh, or, or he gets sold somewhere right, else. Right, so I right. think Tyler Adams, it's not really, I'm not really concerned about him. Just I am. his mentality and the way he plays. Go ahead, Heath. I mean, my, my only worry is that, again, Tedesco doesn't clearly, I mean, again, it's all relative to a new season. Tyler Adams has shown he can be a consistent starter in the team when he's not injured and things like that. But I do wonder about Tyler Adams being so versatile that he's almost settling in under under Tedesco as as a, a guy that you can use at any point. Super and utility again, guy. Super utility. And the fact that you've got a long season, you're going to be in, in playing Champions League and all these things that he's that one where if you sell on Lamer, who do you bring in uh, to compete for Tyler Adams? And maybe he's going through. The, and don't get me wrong. I want Tyler to be fighting for his spot all the time because I think it's going to get the best out of Tyler. But if a, if a manager has an idea of like, maybe he's not the guy that I need there. Is he just going to sell one and then go on and look for one knowing that there's going to be another 19 or 20 year old up and coming or 21 year old up and coming player that fits mm-hmm. within the system that they can bring in to be the next guy that they want to sell to Bayern Munich. And Tyler Adams might fall victim to that but, but i do but, but that's yeah. a player you worry about i mean of, of all the u.s men's national team players that's I, I, the, no that I, only you worry only, about his situation only because of the fact that he, i'm not worried about his situation there's plenty of players i'm worried about go go on to any list and we've got about 14 guys in europe this <laughs> this weekend yeah. that were dressed but did not play or at least they're dressing you know that's good uh but but it's more the fact that like tyler adams is a player that's crucial for us and i'd hate to see another six months go by where he is you know, in one out to playing the closing 17 minutes, you know, use sparingly where it just sort of feels like, again, another conversation needs to be had in this offseason of saying is a new challenge out there for Tyler Adams, where maybe he's going to have to go and compete anywhere at the size of a club that uh, RB Leipzig, but he's going to get a fresh start to compete and a fresh set of eyes to get that time and, and earn the respect of a new manager. No, I love that. Great insight from both of you guys with regard to that situation. We'll see how that plays out, of course. Let us know, everybody, where you're listening or watching from. We got people from Seattle, Vancouver, Orlando, LA, Connecticut, Dallas, Long Beach. Hit us up on Twitter, ISWT Pod. Let us know where we have fans because we're obviously trying to build Wait, this community just and make to, it just as to answer Nate's, as possible. Just to answer Nate's question, Jimmy, Arsenal have, have spoken uh, many times about their how they value Tyler Adams and how they would bring him into to their team. He would fit in Arsenal system. So that's that's a massive club, Nate, just just so you're aware. And that's just one of, of many teams in Europe that have... Yeah, massive's a bit strong, Charlie. Massive, maybe. baby. Massive. Yeah, you know, massive. We're, not, 
Arsenal's not a massive club. Come on, man. They're big. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. They're not invincible as they once were, but yeah, they're getting back to where they where they want to get. Well, Newcastle's got the oil money. Get off my back. (laughs) So, so I don't know if Nate also mentions that he thinks Tyler Adams has hit a ceiling. I don't think we know that yet because he hasn't necessarily been trusted as the guy. So he is for the U.S., but he isn't necessarily for his club. And until he gets those run of games, I don't think we really have scratched the surface of maximizing his potential. That's my counter to you on that one, Nate. But let's now transition over to Serginho Dest because it's been announced that Xavi, the manager of Barcelona, has reportedly given the green light for Serginho Dest to exit from Barcelona. Xavi feels that with the arrival of Cesar Azpilicueta from Chelsea, together with the one-year renewals of Sergi Roberto and Danny Alves, that would fully cover the right-back position. Also, <laughs> for people to take into consideration, a bunch of those guys are old. Yeah. Not Sergi Roberto's not as old, but I do think that they're trying to move some money in the books and getting Dest, who I think still has probably a little bit more value than those other guys, could could come into the equation. So the big question here is, and I want to get into a debate because I'm very curious as to where you guys think Sergio Dest should go. Uh, we obviously know that he's got a lot of growth. He hasn't hit his ceiling either. But what's the best system for him to flourish? Because, and I want to throw this out there. I'm going to use Denzel Dumfries, who went to Inter Milan for only 12.5 million euros, even though he played for the Holland in the Euros in 2020 or 2021, summer 2021. He had two goals in four games, clearly shown that he could do the business, uh, had over 125 games for PSV in the Eredivisie, but didn't really make that big step to Inter Milan. Beppe Marotta comes in, fantastic in the transfer market, gets him, I think it's a steal. They're going to try to replace Inter Milan with Ashraf Hakimi. And I think Dumfries has done a pretty good job. He's not the same as Hakimi, but he, he's got some qualities that getting into close. We're down to the last weekend to see if they can catch Milan at the, at the top. But it was a good signing. And I feel like if Des could go for that number, where he's in that 12 and a half to $15 million range, I think you could see a Bayern Munich take a flyer on him. Or you could see a Chelsea take a flyer on him. Or, or a club of that, because he's not that expensive. But if Barcelona's out there asking for 25, 30, I feel like they could get stuck here. So I'm kind of curious. Charlie, I'll come to you first. Serginho Dest, what do you think his best situation is? Yeah, give me, give me, some, uh, give me your thoughts. I'm very curious. I think, in terms of his defensive responsibilities, that's the concern for a lot of these top clubs. They they don't worry about Serginho Dest getting forward and creating chances. Um, in, in some cases, scoring goals. That that's not the worry for for Serginho Dest as a right back or right wing back. It's defensive. Are you strong enough? You talk about the English Premier League. It's a very physical league with big wingers. If if I'm a winger, I'm looking at going at Serginho Dest because he hasn't shown to me yet that he's going to be tough as nail and defend first because that's his responsibility first. Come, come, come transition, you have to defend. You have to be in a good position and make sure that you can support the back line. I feel like it's, it's, it's too inconsistent with Serginho Dest. Given that, I think... Atletico Madrid, if he's going to stay in La Liga, might be a good fit because the the three behind him are very defensive. And I think the starting point is is very defensive because Mm -hmm. of the way that they play. Maybe that could be a good spot for him because counterattack, transition, get forward, use the width. Wait, who did you say, Charlie? Who did you say? Atletico Madrid. Because they they will, I think, help train him mentally (laughs) about being, being a defender first and then position tactically, which would ultimately benefit him in the long run. And then if you're looking at Syria, Juve might be a good spot for him. And, and it's a, a spot you can make the move from, from Barca to Juve. And I, and I think just because Juve dominates typically those games in possession, it might be a great spot for him. Okay. All right. Now, before we get to Heath's thoughts and my thoughts about this, we had Fabrizio Romano, the transfer guru who works with us here at CBS Sports. He also commented on the Serginho Dest situation. Let's listen to what he had to say right now. King of Ajax, a former Ajax player, Serginho Dest uh, hasn't been the best uh, situation with him when Xavi has arrived. What's the latest with him? Yes, he's one of the players to watch this summer because if an important proposal will arrive for Barcelona, it could be an opportunity to make money. As we mentioned before, for Frankie de Jong, they need to sell some player. Uh, as you mentioned, it was not an easy season for him. 
But at the same point, if they receive uh, an important bid, it could be a possibility for him. So let's see what happens with uh, English clubs, because Bayern have always been interested in him, but they're signing Masraoui on a free from Ajax, so they don't need a right back anymore. But for English clubs, it could be a, a chance. So let's see what's next for Serginho Des, but he could be one of the players on the move at Barcelona. All right, that's Fabrizio Romano with our Luis Miguel Echegaray. Make sure you go listen to the K Golasso podcast. Great guests, and Fabrizio at least once a week. I think Heath and I hop on every once in a while as well. Now, Heath, throwing it to you. Serginho Dest, only 21. So obviously he's got a lot of his career ahead of him. What do you think will be the next best step for him? Especially, got to take into consideration, he's going to probably feel that it's going to be, despite Barcelona's situation, and them working through kind of this transitional period as a club overall, it's still going to feel like a step down if he goes to, let's say, a mid-tier team in one of the other top five leagues. Yeah, it's hard to say what the right because I agree uh, right the right club is because I agree with Charlie on the fact that it's it's defending. And part two of that is when you talk about Dumfries, when you talk about uh, Hakimi, there's a verticality to their game that also transitions defensively. Right? It's a it's a speed play. They're good without the ball. Serginho Dest is best with the ball. So he needs to have he needs to be in a system where he's getting the ball at his feet. When I think about that, I think about teams that are more possession based versus even counterattacking teams. Because if he's gonna, I just don't see that discipline of him willing to stay home and then get out on the counter. I I, I see him. He's the kind of guy that if you look in games, he mostly wants he doesn't even want that ball way off into space. He wants it guided to him in front of him, but the ball at his feet where he can have combination play and do things with the ball. And so it limits him. When I think about Italy, I think about Napoli just because of their possession in the final mm. third, things mm. like that, where he can be in higher positions. I worry about Italy in general, just the style of play because of the need to defend. However, if he can commit to that in Italy, you tend to have more players around the ball. The, the field gets a lot more condensed. The field gets a lot smaller in the Italian game. Your, your opposite side fullback is pulled all the way over and things like that. So they try to condense the field into like small quadrants where I think it could play to his advantage, where it's not just him isolated like he would be in the Premier League, one-on-one, out of position, out on the wings, isolated, things like that, where I think he could struggle. So I think there are... There are well, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to add, do you feel like then he should go to a system that already has three center backs? Like when you look at Inter Milan... They have their, you know, Bastoni's, DeVry, Skriniar, and then Dumfries and Hakimi were both really out-and-out wingbacks. I mean, they got Perisic playing out wide left for them now, who's more of an attacking player. Do you think he should go to a system that's already set up to play to his strengths, or do you feel like there's some value for him overall to, like, well, maybe I should go to a team that has a back four so I can actually get better at defending because that will probably, you know, give me more longevity to my career? Yeah, it's tough to say, really, just because... You know, you see in a lot of back fives or back threes, the, the the wing backs do have to be able to cover a lot of ground, and they have to be solid on some level, at least respect the art of defending. And I think he's not he's not great at that in in either system. You know, I think that could be a crutch for his development, as you said. And in a back four, he's going to have to really be willing to commit to that. I'm not saying he can't do it because he can, because he's got all of the tools to be a, a good mm-hmm. defender. He's just got to be able to understand that that's first and foremost. And, and you, I've seen him for long periods at Barcelona where he can defend and he does get stay back. And there was long periods where he wasn't attacking as much at Barcelona when they were trying to just grind out results and get through times where they weren't playing great, but still getting some during this sort of run of form that they had under Xavi. But, in you know, I think about Spain. I think about maybe a Sevilla. I think about a Villarreal. I think about a, a, a big club that's decent in possession. But you got to look I'm, at the, the players that they have, too. You know, you know, you look at Napoli, for instance, and they have Giovanni Di Lorenzo. He's 20, 28, and he's played 33 games. His value is 28 million. He, he's not going anywhere. I mean, and you got to think about competition. If you're Serginho Dest, you can't go into a, a team where you're not going to really play. You're not going to be the first option. You look at Juve, you know, Danilo, he's, he's 30. He's, you know, kind of having some injuries. He's already hit his peak. You know, he's mm-hmm, coming down. Mm-hmm. Quadrado is the other right back. He's 33. De, uh, yeah, yeah. he's 29 so you know i look at other teams and you got to look at the competition because Sergio dest needs to play just like tyler adams just like all these other guys you want him in a position where he's going to play and if that means coming down off the pedestal of being like a top tier champions league club then then so be it especially heading into a world cup year what i wanted to add was i think there's some value to potentially leaving a big club and joining a club that has a little bit of hype around it. I'll I'll use a couple examples. One, Renato Sanchez, right? He goes from Benfica, helps Portugal win the Euros, immediately goes to Bayern Munich. Not a great fit. Doesn't really, you know, really showcase what he's about. And and there could be a whole number of reasons why that didn't work out. He goes to Lille, helps Lille win Liga. 
kind of against the odds in a league that PSG should always win, undoubtedly, every single season, given the money that they pump in. And then I look at Serge Gnabry, right? He goes to Arsenal at 8-16, can't really get into the first team for, for reasons that just they got a lot of talent. Then he goes oh, to West Brom. I want that one back, Jimmy. You want Serge Gnabry? Oh, you want? Of course you want him back, right? Because he, <laughs> yeah. proved, he proved what he was capable of. But he went on loan to West Brom, and Tony Poulos said he's not good enough to play at this level. The players that that Serge Gnabry was playing behind is is disgusting. So then he goes to Werder Bremen. He goes back to Germany. He grew up in the Stuttgart Youth Academy. And he goes to Werder Bremen, 11 goals in 27 games. And then Bayern Munich uh, gets a clause, gets him for like $8 million, something crazy. And then he goes on loan to Hoffenheim. It's called the Bayern clause. Bayern clause, yeah, of course, <laughs> Bayern clause. And then he gets into the team, and now he's – he guy's unbelievable. He's got 20 goals in 31 games for German's nat- German national team. He he is a, a such an important player for their attack by I mean, He's a Champions League winner. And West Brom didn't want this guy. It, it just makes it so insane. So mm-hmm. it's not the end of the world for Sergino Dest. But I thought, okay, let's think about the Bundesliga. Serge Gnabry's using that. Jude Bellingham's doing well. Jaden Sancho used that as a platform. Gio Reyna, Christian Pulisic, Erling Holland. Like, there's a lot of big names that can take that. And when I look at Borussia Dortmund in particular. They have a guy there, uh, Thomas Munier, who I don't really rate. And I think that they could benefit from having a Serginho desk. He could be part of maybe a revolution of getting Dortmund to compete. But with is Bayern. Dortmund going to spend 20 plus million on a right back? If they think they can sell him on for 40, then potentially. I, I would say that Bayer Leverkusen is another like hipster team. They finished third in the Bundesliga, have a ton of talent. And and they've got players there that there's got Frimpong, who's who's okay at the right back position. But I think Dest is better. If, if they're both playing at their peak, I think Dest is better. And you've got RB Leipzig. You got Angel Lino on one side on, that play in the three back system who bombs forward. You can have a little bit more balance of having Angel Lino and a desk on either side. But Michele over there is pretty sick. I actually like him. So I would just say Borussia Dortmund or Bayer Leverkusen could be really cool two spots where now you're starting to still going to play in the Champions League. And now you, you've got you're punching up, whereas Barcelona has a different set of expectations. So so I just wanted to throw that out there. And if you guys wanted any quick comments on that before we go to our break, but but. I don't know. There's something to be said for even a Sevilla, like Jesus Navas. I mean, they they whip the ball in like anybody, and that can help. There's a lot. Th- well. I just think that uh, Serginho Dest is one where I I don't care in most cases if the system fits Serginho Dest, he's going to win out in a competition for a spot. If it's not a system that fits, then he's not going to win out. And uh, now, having said that, Barcelona should have should have should have worked out for him. But they were just there. Barcelona's a that's a super club. It's a different level of expectation. But I do think that anyone that's going to fit his style of play, there's n- very few, I think, attacking fullbacks better than Serginho Dest is on the ball. It's just, again, that willingness to defend. I think he's going to win out in those situations. So I like the idea of putting him in a place where he's got to compete in a big club as opposed to, you know, when we say step back, I mean, what are we talking about? Mid, mm-hmm, mid, mm-hmm. Mid-table? Are we talking about, you know... Are we I'm, talking I'm, like I'm, Brighton I'm, in the Premier League? If they if they sell Lamptey, they'll they'll have that right-back position open. That's a good, that's a good where, shout. You know, where he's... They're good prop... You know, they play a good style of football. And if you think about the the mid tier level he's gonna play every game right. is that something that that would be beneficial for him under Graham Potter who who likes to play attacking style well you got Cucarella on the other side and Cucarella clearly likes to get forward I don't know Brighton's actually not a bad shout Charlie thanks for chiming in with that one that's I mean you get obviously you get you're getting four five six seven really good opponents that you're playing uh, the other ones are always like you know scrapping it out and fighting but uh, to be able to play against the Liverpools and the Man Cities and Chelsea's uh, I think will only help him get better, but that's assuming you know he goes out there and does the job. And a big, big, big conversation about Serginho Dest. But we're going to take our first and only break of the show. Thank you for hanging out with us today. When we come back, we're going to talk about other dual nationals that we want to see joining the U.S. men's national team, hopefully in this window to bring them in a little bit and maybe take them to the World Cup in Qatar in November and December. And we'll talk a little bit about Christian Pulisic's performance in the FA Cup final. Don't go anywhere. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Charlie Davies and Heath Pierce. And that was some fun conversation about Serginho Dest and the good weekends that were had by some of our player pool we're excited about. And obviously, long may that continue as we uh, have to decide or we don't have to decide, but Greg Berhalter and the coaching staff have to decide who is going to be in his hopefully 26-man roster. I hope they expand the rosters. Hopefully, that'll be decided very, very soon. But we want to talk about dual nationals. We did talk about this. We 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 tiptoed into the warm waters of this conversation last week, but I wanted to revisit it a little bit because we had another weekend to talk about some of these players. Uh, Charlie, I'm going to come to you for some names, I guess, for starters. Florian Balogun, Jonathan Gomez, Gaga Slonina, uh, Caden Cowell, Malik Tillman, Timothy Tillman, Filippo Silva. Like, which, which players do you think do we really want to bring in and really try to court in some ways? I think we're getting to a point now where we have so many options from young players that have potential that we don't necessarily have to chase them anymore. We want them to come to us and be like, please, we want to play for you guys, whatever it may be. But maybe there's a short-term solution for some of these players. Uh, maybe you're looking at Gaga Salinina, who's more of a long-term play. And do you think there's any positions with the fewest options? I mean, should we really be trying to recruit as many number nines as possible? Or, or any other areas of the field that you think need to be addressed. Charlie Davies, you're up first. Go for well, it. You know, you, I love to think of Gaga Sonina as a long-term play. But in terms of short-term, if you watched him play this weekend, I mean, the gaff that he had, which was, you know, he played a ball out of the back and it was poorly played. And then Cincinnati scores. And and so you're, you're thinking about right now, you know, a lot of people are thinking, He's ready now. He's not ready. He's not ready right now. He's not. Well, then anywhere, neither is he's not any. He's not, any, he's, <laughs> Come on. He's not anywhere near. Come on. Right I mean, I, I mean, if we're holding a, a mistake that he made uh, in a game as a 17 year old against him. I mean, Zach oh, absolutely. Is much older. A, a, absolutely. Uh, you're talking about Manchester City versus Chicago versus Cincinnati. Absolutely. I am. He's not ready for, for that level. Um, but that's not to say that he won't be in, in the long term. He has a long way to go with his feet. And, th- and that's all I'm going to say in terms of a goalkeeper and, and being able to play out of the back. Long way to go. Still has to develop. But Matt Turner could do it. So anybody anybody can do it because I've, I've seen his size 15s and uh, the way they move it from the very beginning in, in 2016. So um, I, I think Florian Balogun is probably the one that I think of when in okay. terms of needs right now, dual nationals, we need a striker. We need, we need depth in that position. So it's not even just worrying about who's going to be the number one. It's worry about who's going to be the super sub in that position and, and who can who can bring something to the game. So I would like to see him, and I think it'd be pretty easy to convince him to come over and, and give the U.S. Men's National Team a go because I think in England he's he's far off from, from being um, one of the, the top candidates to, to make that break into that team. Okay, so Heath, let's talk about Balogun. Martin Keown, who played for Arsenal for a long time, has compared Balogun to Arsenal's legendary striker, Ian Wright, due to his speed and his intelligent movements. He's clearly doing something of note, and he's on loan from Arsenal to Middlesbrough right now and had uh, three goals and 18 appearances this particular season. Do you, you think it's worth giving him a flyer? Born in the United States, he's represented England at all the youth national team levels, but never represented the U.S. at any point. Yeah, I mean, he's another player that I, I think about as a when Yunus Musa first came in, and you just go, well, I don't know a lot about him. Yunus Musa was just starting to, you know, the, before this was pre, Yunus Musa's name came up pre pre Valencia move, and you're like, well, not a lot of first team football. Where does he fit into it? And then we've now seen uh, just Yunus Musa being brought into the national team how complimentary he's been where he's never thought twice about playing for the U S national team, how he loves it. He feels welcome from the very first moment he came in. And that's, I think helped shape him as a player uh, knowing that he's got that part of his career sorted out, which is U S men's national team forever. Now, Florin Belugan has to figure that out on his own, but in terms of getting him in and around the national team, I think it would be really helpful. However, he's still got to figure out his, his, 
club ball, what what he what he's going to do at the club level. Obviously, he's at Middlesbrough on loan, as you mentioned. I don't think we've seen hundreds of players uh, go through the the Arsenal system, and where they end up is TBD. And and Yunus Musa is one of them, right? And, and so I, I want to see him get sorted out on the club level thing. But I do think he is one that has a bright future for the national team. And having him in and around the national team, if that's what he wants to do, uh, could be helpful and beneficial to his career. Okay. Now, Greg Berhalter came out and had a couple comments about dual nationals. I want to bring these up now. He uh, he wants them to choose with their heart is ultimately what he's been saying. He, he goes, the thing is, I always say I want them to choose with their heart. I want them to feel good about it. And could you imagine growing up with parents and having a really strong cultural background and then being able to play for the country of that background? I think that's special. Even though the United States has given them that opportunity, there's still this deep connection to their country. And some of them have to leave their country and want to go back, but they can't. And so for me, if a guy really chooses that, I'm happy. I'm happy for him because that's what he feels in his heart. And I, I appreciate that Greg has that perspective and that we're not trying to, as Sergio just said in the comments, doing predatory cap ties just so let's say Mexico or another national team can't have these players. And then we discard those players because that's not necessarily the business. we Well, want Mexico to get tried either. doing that. Right. And we've seen again that, that I don't know if his comments continue to do that. Doesn't he doesn't he go on to talk about how he uh, does? Yeah. Yeah. He basically said this is Greg Berhalter, U.S. Men's National Team Manager, saying when I speak to guys like Ricardo and Jesus talking about Pepe and Ferreira and Jonathan Gomez and have conversations with them, they feel a connection. But it's so it's not to, to Mexico. It's not always easy, though. I think that in general, I would like for our Latin players to be pushed more in a positive way that we're looking to develop them more and putting the more effort into developing the Latin community as well, because I think it's important. We talk to all these guys. We talk to constantly to all these players. We're very engaged in this process. But I also realize that sometimes a player has it in their heart to do something else. And I'm fine with that. Charlie, thoughts? Yeah, I think for me, it's the national team should be the guys who are in form, who are playing, who are the best. And for for players who who want to be a part of this country, who want to represent this country, it doesn't matter if you live here, if you're if you were born here versus born in in Europe or born in any other part of the world. If your parents are American and you feel like you want to represent the U.S. men's national team, in some cases, we 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 can't be naive. Players don't have the opportunity to play for whatever country they're in. If Jermaine Jones, for instance, could have played for Germany, he would have played for Germany. It right. would have never been in a conversation about playing for the U.S. Men's National Team, but that was not a possibility. He had, you know, Bastian Schweinsteiger, Michael Ballack, all these players in front of him. So the U.S. Men's National Team offered him a chance of a lifetime to come represent them and play in a World Cup, and he took it with both hands. And then he was all about the U.S., you know, putting tattoos of the flag all over his body. That's okay, right. too. Right. If, right. if you want to represent our country, who are we to say, no, you, you can't play for us because – you haven't spent X amount of years in this country. Either You're either all in or you're out, all out. I don't care about if your mom or your dad was born here or how much you've lived in this country. If you want to play for this country and represent this country, then you're all in, fine. Then I'm all about it. But so, you, so, you, it's 100% commitment. That's all I, I ask Yeah, you. yeah. I think the 100% commitment is spot on. And that has to be uh, a, a necessity, a must at a minimum. But but I remember, and I had my... my uh, Let's say criticisms of Jurgen Klinsmann. Okay, I'll put it. I'll put it that that way. But one of the things I didn't mind was him broadening the player pool. And I remember that there's oh, why is he doing that? Giving players here. Listen, just play better than those guys, and you're going to be fine. But if you're going to sit there and bitch about oh, well, I'm not going to lose. Just play better. If you play better, then everything's going to take right. care of itself, and just stop bitching. So that always kind of bothered me. But I found the quote that Heath was alluding to, the one directly about uh, that Heath was saying with regard about Mexico. And this is what Greg Berhalter said, which I thought was pretty interesting. I think that Mexico is really smart. They're going to talk to anyone that has a dual passport and they're going to look them over. This is Berhalter. And they're working the numbers. The more players they can get, the more likely it is that one of them will contribute. He goes on to say, Greg Berhalter, the track record's not great. And that's something the players should be aware of. The track record for guys going over to Mexico from the United States and actually contributing isn't there. And they're locking some of these guys in and that's it. And for us, I urge the players to keep it open, keep it open and see what happens, keep developing. But any player wants to feel wanted, right? Heath, this is the quote you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. That's the one. So you've got uh, uh, Ochoa, you've got Jonathan Gonzalez, you've got Santi Munoz, you've got a, you know, Jonathan Gonzalez is a good example of a, of a high quality player that was sort of the hype. Mexico got him, hasn't played for the national team. Now, playing the numbers is more at the youth level that you see a lot. Of, I mean, right now, if you look at the US and Mexico, 
both on the boys and the girls side, there are dual, dual nationals just going back and forth. You got Cade and Chance Cowell. So Chance, Cade's younger brothers in, been in Mexico mm -hmm. and with the U.S. There's players that are going back and forth at the youth level quite a bit now. And that's why it's not like there's these hidden players and it's this giant battle for these phenoms. You don't know how many of them are going to work out. You know, you don't know how many of them are going to be consistently at the international level. And I also think that, you know, Charlie talked about being all in. I don't think everyone that that Jurgen Klinsmann brought were always all in or fully in. That was an issue. Uh, now, 99% is 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 different than 100%. And you're not always going to get it right, no matter what. And people are going to have regrets. It's impossible. It's, it's like uh, when you go to college at 18 years old and somebody goes, what are you going to be when you grow up? You don't have any idea, right? And so when you talk about going through a lot of these things, people have to go through them. So there's no perfect system. We shouldn't ever be predatorially, if that's a word, trying to get players into the national team or make them want to commit to the national team. But there will always be an element of like, which one do I have a chance of making? You know, if, mm -hmm, and, and mm -hmm. Logan's case, playing for England would be unbelievable. W will he get a chance to play for England? I don't know. He's 20 and playing at Middlesbrough. Um, and if he scores a bunch of goals, we've seen a number of strikers in England's history be called in, not at the big couple of clubs. We've seen a number of England's players now leave England to go play in places like Germany for a Dortmund to get called into the national team. And so there's a number of ways that that can come together. It's just, I always think about, you know, when I've had a chance to talk to Yunus Musa and he, and, he, and he kind of talked about making his decision and how welcoming it's been. And there hasn't been a single moment that he thought, what if? And maybe that, that does tie into where else he could play or other national teams he could play and what the opportunities are. But he was all in on that. And it's been an incredible growth and trajectory for him and the national team has rolled the national team and the fact that he's still a young player uh, and deserving of, of a call-up. Now, when I think about Balogun in particular and try to get into England, if Jared Bowen, who's absolutely lighting it up for West Ham, just scored two goals this past weekend against Manchester City, arguably one of the best defenses in the world, can't get a call up to the English national team. What chances Balogun have? I mean, honestly, he's definitely I mean, going to go to the World Cup, though. There's no way that Bowen well, you have go to. to. I mean, 18 goals, 11 assists, and all comps this season for for Jared Bowen, but. And I think if they expand to 26, I think Jared Bowen's definitely, I mean, that's, 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 he's our Haji, right? Baby, you got somebody who's red hot. How can, how can you not bring him in? At least give him a look. So, but, but, but that's what those types of players who are maybe on the precipice of deciding which country they want to play for. They got to look at those players that are doing well on the fringes and are they getting to look, or is that national team coach Gareth Southgate in particular still going to stick with now? Listen, Phil Foden's tremendous, but for the national team, he doesn't play the same as he does for city. You know, for maybe the players that aren't necessarily performing but have the talent. It's tough. It is, I, I, it is really I'll throw tough. this in as well. Greg Berhalter and Ernie Stewart, Brian McBride, they're smart as can be. It, it's not that they're not t bringing these guys into camp. You they're, getting paid by U.S. soccer, Charlie? No, but I'm saying <laughs> well, they, they were able to get Sergio Dest. That is true. They were able to get Eunice Musa. Yeah. I yeah. mean, right that right right there is enough for you to say, hey, they, they can convince a dual national to come – and play for the U.S. men's national team. Well, they're and, all thinking about 2026 as well, right? They're part of this project now, and they're young. Like, you look over the last two years, that is a very young and excited and united group that's gone through qualifying now. They've gone through Nations League. They've gone through Gold Cup, different groups. I mean, pool's obviously like 60 players at this point. But, but like, my point. They're it's, going it's, through they it all bring in, They bring in players from the pool to see if, if they can cut or not. Gaga Sonina's been into camp. So Greg Berhalter has got a chance to see a lot of these guys who haven't been capped yet and say, hey, is this guy ready to cap tie? Is he? Mm -hmm. And obviously he showed in training that he's not yet. He's not there. So I'm not going to make this guy put him in a game just to cap time and then eventually not play him for four years or two years or whatever it may be. I'm going to yeah, cap tie guys that are going to yeah. play now. Yeah, well, it's irresponsible to the player, right? It's like, especially at that age, to to almost you you would – imprison them into a national team that maybe you're there, maybe you're not. At 17, it's pretty, pretty intense, unless he's going to be a starter or a contributor right away. I agree. Yeah, well, so I don't want to hear no, is U.S. soccer paying you? Because I'm just preaching the gospel. Hey, you said they were, well, smart, they were smarter mind. than, they were, what did you, what would you say? Smarter, just, smarter I, than I just, anyone? I just, I didn't say that. I just said they're smart. smart. They're doing their job. They're convincing dual nationals Listen, to play for the U.S. And these he, dual nationals are top young players. Heath, you've been deal. coming that hot on Charlie for hey, many weeks said, about how Charlie said, has U.S. national team. I'm hitting him with that, him with that, that shield, that Captain America shield. Bah. Well, yeah, that's why he got, he got that paycheck. Now he's flipped, yeah, he's flipped the go. script. Now he's like, you know, uh, Venmo me. Uh, now, now he's But but I, I, I agree. Again, that was one of the things that Yunus Musa had said was like the project being part of that, this excitement of young players, the, the crop of talent. This is not 
bringing players in because we need players for a World Cup. This is a project of helping to grow soccer in the U.S., helping to improve the national team. These guys are coming in as teenagers and early in their 20s, and they're they're part of shaping something for the future. And that's a that's a pretty exciting thing if you're a young guy to be part of, um, if you're legitimately going to be part of that. No, 100%. And there's a good comment here from Zach. What's up, Zach, who says, talking about dual nationals, let's talk about Timothy Chandler, 32-year-old right back for Eintracht Frankfurt, who's going to be in the Europa League final. He's played five times in the Europa League, Timothy Chandler. Do you think he deserves another call-in? I feel like we got that spot kind of locked up. Even if Dest is hurt, you know, you got uh, Cannon, you have Yedlin, you have who else? Brooks, not Brooks. Um, we got a bunch of guys. Scally could play there as well. I feel like I'd rather see maybe a Joe Scally show up at right back well, than just, Tim- just Timothy hearing, Chandler. Just hearing all the, the the talk of Timmy Chandler turning down call-ups, being like, nah, I don't want to. That's enough for me. And I'm and yeah. I'm sure that's made its way up uh, the, yeah, the sure, for sure. soccer. But, but okay, so let's let's and, and yeah, I I wonder based on form, been- yeah, you should bring him in. But if if there's obviously more to that, because he hasn't been part of the picture for a long time. And and yeah, this is a guy playing in Europa League. No, for League sure. And but he's in the Europa League. League final, which is a pretty big deal that we have an American pitted against another American in James Sands for Rangers. Now, James Sands still a utility player, not playing all that much. Timothy Chandler, a little bit more influential for, for Eintracht Frankfurt. But it would be pretty cool to see both of those guys on the field at the same time, which I don't think has ever happened before in the Europa League. And let's just go to there. Quick predictions. Who do you, who do you guys like in the Europa League final? Charlie, come to you first. Oh gosh! Are you feel are you pulling for Rangers because there's a lot of Americans that play there? Uh, yeah, Moa Dude, Demarcus, pull- Claudio, Carlos Montenegro. I got some Rangers kits in my closet. I, I, I will a lot of a lot of my boys would be hitting me up, being like, "You can't, you can't pick Frankfurt over over Rangers." <laughs> so I, I'm gonna go with with Rangers just because I'm supporting Rangers in in this one. All right, okay, up the Gers. How about you, uh, Heath Pierce? What are you thinking in this one? Because it feels like. Rangers very good at Ibrox, maybe not as good away from home. And Eintracht obviously just playing on the vibes. They kind of got the Real Madrid vibes of the, of the Europa League where they just figure out ways to get results even when maybe they shouldn't. What, what are you saying in this one? Yeah, I'm going to go with Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, I just I like the way that they've been able to grind. Again, both these teams haven't been the same in the – I mean, Rangers all relative within the league because either you win or sure, you don't sure. uh, in that league. But like Eintracht Frankfurt, same thing. Uh both these, this is what makes it complicated. Both these teams are like, this is what their whole season is is yeah. sort of contingent on. And so, but I, I'm I'm gonna go with Eintracht Frankfurt just just to play uh, just pure to vibes. Play other, yeah, yeah, pure vibes. Yeah. Well, Eintracht is currently 11th in the Bundesliga. Finished the season in 11th. They need to win to get into the Champions League. That's one of the bonuses of winning the Europa League. You get an automatic spot into the group stages of the Champions League. This is gonna be a great game. It's on Paramount Plus, 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you go check it out. Come find the pregame shows. Lots to break down with these two particular matchups or this two particular teams in this matchup. All right, from one cup final then. Jimmy, you didn't what? give a prediction. What are you just... Uh, like, I'm going to go with Eintracht. No, no, no. I'm, well, no, sometimes. <laughs> but Eintracht, I'm going to go with Eintracht Frankfurt every time that I, I feel like I'm counting them out. Again, they've got the Madrid vibes where they just figure out a way to get a result. If this game was at Ibrox, I'd go 1,000% Rangers, but it's not. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously. Yeah, I'm going to go with Eintracht. I think, they, uh, I think they're going to they're gonna show up and do the business. And without Kamar Roof, and I don't know if Alfredo Morales is going to play for Rangers, that, that hurts them a little bit. Um, though Tavernier has been excellent um, for them coming out of the right back position. I wish he played for the U.S. He's, he's pretty good going forward. And would have been a good option for us to compete with some of the other players we have going. All right. Now, from one cup final that hasn't been played to one that did get played, FA Cup final. Unfortunately, Christian Pulisic and his Chelsea have lost three consecutive FA Cup finals. I think that is the first time that's happened in history. I actually thought Pulisic was pretty good. I thought he was finding some good space between the lines, created a couple of chances uh, for himself and for other players. But there seems to be a narrative. He seems to symbolize something. There's always a player, I think, on every team that if the team doesn't play well, you blame that guy. And for a while, Chelsea had Lukaku, but and Lukaku was out there. But it seems like Pulisic is starting to get some of that vitriol from, from Chelsea fans that he doesn't finishes chances whereas he's the only one actually out there creating legitimate chances you can't score all of them you bastards he scored uh, none Car- of them though jimmy that's the he problem didn't, he scored he, none he, of them i know and i know and he's going to be held to uh, uh, that standard but i i feel like it's a little unfair and and uh, i just wanted to kind of stand up and say that i think that at least pool six out there creating opportunities and it just feels like if you're going to hold him to that standard then hold everybody else to the same standard uh, not your golden uh, boy mason mount or, 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 you know, Thomas Tuchel. Yes, he's obviously accomplished a lot of things in a short period of time. But 
I would start in Golakante over Kovacic. You know what I mean? There's little things that I would have criticized him for as a manager. Anyway, I, I, I'm sure. Kante was coming off of an injury. I get it, but he's in Golakante. Okay. Okay. Charlie, let me ask you this then. Do you think, I I, I agree with Jimmy's double standard of like, he is the scapegoat. Okay. Uh, uh, and, and is becoming becoming that um, with with Chelsea. But do you agree that the difference, like, is Christian Pulisic world class? And it, if he is world class, should he not be finishing it in the biggest game of the year with the chances that he had created? Or or is or is it? I know it's all fluid. I'm not saying that, but the way that we hold our global superstar superstars that we see get chances, they finish them, they rise to those types of occasions. We've seen Pulisic do that with the national team. But at the club level, is that the difference? Or is it just a, a game where he had some chances, didn't finish them, and we move on? No, I don't think Christian Pulisic is is world-class yet. I think he has the potential to be world-class. And you can't say that about too many players in the U.S. men's national team pool right now. And he's as close as the close, the closest, I think, that we have to being world-class. So he, he's, he's on the verge. But I think what we need from Christian Pulisic to be world-class because he's obviously at a world-class club, is the result, uh, the finished product, which is goals and assists. Because like you said, he's creating chances. He's dangerous. I, I feel like injuries have been a, a problem just derailing his form at times. But if he's to be, you know, compared to Eden Hazard, it's in, in goals per 90, he's up there for, for his age um, among Premier League uh, stars. But it's being consistent. The world, world-class players are consistent game in, game out, and not just one season, multiple seasons, two, three, four. And if he's able to do that at Chelsea, let's say next year, if if he does stay, then then he'd be world-class. And doing it in a World Cup, that's world-class. He's just not there yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm looking at the goals and assists so far for Christian Pulisic this particular season, eight goals and four assists. And people going, well, Mason Mount – he he leads Chelsea with 16 assists and, and all this stuff. But those guys have a lot actually, of assists. Yeah, but but he's also played a lot more minutes. And and a lot of his goals came, I think, against Norwich, uh, Mason Mount. That's me throwing some shit. Would you say he's world class? Either you two? Mason Mount? Oh, Mason Mount? No, no, Christian Pulisic. No, but that's why I'm saying the difference is I think a, a world class Christian Pulisic takes over a game like that. He's so close. And then we fall short on just chances where, again, you look at the other top strikers or top attackers in the world. They gobble that stuff up. That's the occasion where they're they're but, converting. So I, on. I actually need that. We need to get world class defined because we're all going to have different interpretations of what world class is. Because I've seen plenty of players that get in similar situations as Christian on the field, and they they miss those. It's not how how many times though. No, no, that's give, fair. Uh, that's who? fair. But but and and which world class players are, are missing? Let's chances? go, Charlie. Let's chill. let's attack this guy for a little yeah, bit. This well, I'm just trying to understand. <laughs> Like, like, like Charlie, we got him up against the ropes, dude. Just keep swinging, dude. I'm, he's I'm really, he's really. <laughs> well, no, if you look really at uh, that line, I am, oh, I am, because yeah. I'm trying to have a, a nice debate here with you guys. But, but no, I do. I think he's. When you say world class, there has to be a consistency there, and I, I totally agree with that. I would, I, yeah, Lewandowski, Benzema, like those guys are world class. Now, Vinicius, Vinicius might be a good example because. He went from a guy that got into good spots but couldn't finish, lacked that final mm-hmm. product, and now seemed to figure out this season and has shown that consistency. Now I think you can put Vinicius into that world-class conversation. Yes. Yeah, and, and Rodrigo is now. But now he'll be held to that every single season, right? Of like world-class player, Vinicius got to do it next year. He's got to do it the year after that. At right. that, like he set a new standard. Whereas Christian Pulisic is right on the verge of like rounding that corner of being that goals and assists plus all the things you see when you watch him on the field and he gets the ball in and around the ball. His intelligence, you go, wow, this this is something incredible. Um, but and I'm not saying it needs to be every single game of every single season, but that conversion of being able to take over games in big moments or finish off chances like that. Uh, I would I would think when I look at just Liverpool's attack of those types of players, Sadio Mane, uh, Mo Salah, when they get into those positions, they they are killers, right? And they're killers right. consistently. Now, they might miss a chance in a final like that, but then the next game, they're going to go and do the same thing again. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. No, that's fair. I, I, my, my, I guess my big fear, I'm trying to be silver lining, you know, glass half full type guy here. But there's a part of me going, is this is this it? Is this as good as Christian Pulisic's going to get? And that's the flip side of this conversation: is has he hit his ceiling? Uh, and and well, it's even interesting. If he, even if ahead. he did, even if he did hit the ceiling, as long as he finishes, then then he he you would you would be fine with that for the rest of your career. You'd say that's 
that's the pinnacle. If you get in the positions he does and the movement and you can beat people on the dribble, but now you're scoring and you're creating and having assists, good. That, well, that would that would go past the ceiling then, or what? Or the well, current ceiling then, if he was doing that consistently. I, I'm talking about as far as like elevating his game even further. Sure, sure. Out, sure. Outside of 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 the finished product, you don't you don't need that. And I think for him, it's just having that the the, the maturity in front of goals, uh, in front of goal. Well, surprise for you guys. We got Christian Pulisic on right now. Welcome, Christian. I'm just kidding. Would that be amazing <laughs> if he came on? We'll have to save that for another time. We are done. For today's show in Soccer We Trust is over. So on behalf of producer Dez and Charlie Davies and Heath Pierce, I'm Jimmy Conrad saying thank you for listening to in Soccer We Trust. Thank you for all your likes and subscribes and all the ratings and reviews, the positive ones at least that you're giving us. We really appreciate it. And make sure you come back on Thursday for the live stuff here on the YouTubes, 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Also, we have a special guest coming up, and we can't reveal it yet. It's going to be a big tease, but it's going to be happening this week, like it does every single week. All right, we'll see you soon. Thank you so much for your support. Later.